0: Alex Marlowe, editor-in-chief of Breitbart News and author of the book Breaking the News, the perfect Christmas gift for everyone on your list this season. Buy them too. Why not? And today on our Breitbart News Daily Podcast, we will break down how Stacey Abrams is running for governor, apparently, to add to the nation's platitudes quotient. Uh, The government has been funded for now. Imagine that. We'll extend the debt and the debt limit, et cetera, temporarily, and then this will come up again, and we will go through this horrible ritual yet again. Uh, African countries are not pleased with Joe Biden's racist and ineffective travel bans, which are not fully explained to the public. But who cares? Since Joe did it, the media won't be curious about it. Uh, Joe is blaming Omicron for supply chain issues, even though those of you who have followed the show and are reporting at Breitbart News. Uh, we've known that these issues have been significant for at least six months. doesn't make a difference. Joe's blaming the brand new variant that so far I think is three cases in the United States uh, for why the supply chain has had trouble. Uh, and he's extended mask mandates, and these will continue maybe forever, but certainly into next year where they will likely extend them again. And Chuck Schumer has indicated that Democrats are pro-slavery, so long as that slavery is being carried out by the communists in China. I break that all down for you. If you are interested in the analysis of the horrible jobs data numbers, they came out towards the very end of the show today, as we recorded it live on SiriusXM Patriot number 125. Um, And so I just commend to you to go to Breitbart.com and get the Breitbart app, and you can get our expert resident expert John Carney, our economic and finance editors, take on all of the data and everything you need to know there. Today we'll have two guests on the show, uh, Congressman Devin Nunes, who is a crowd favorite for a good reason. And Jedediah Bila, who is a veteran broadcaster from The View and Fox News, has got a new book out for lessons for her young son, which I found interesting as a parent of two young sons. So, uh, both of those really terrific interviews, and you'll enjoy those. And a great chance to plug some of the shows from this week. Uh, We really had a terrific guest list, as we always do, something we're very proud of on the broadcast. Uh, But in particular, my conversations with Senator Rand Paul about uh, Dr. Fauci and the government's failure on coronavirus, and uh, Mark. Levin, the great one, always fascinating, and a leading light intellectually on the right. Both of those I recommend to you. So if you want to catch up with past shows, uh, I certainly encourage you to do that. But first, before we get into uh, the monologue, I do want to tell you about a terrific sponsor that I've supported for a very long time and now sponsored the show, And that's AMAC. Uh, It's a conservative advocacy and benefits organization that has more than 2 million members and counting the Association of Mature American Citizens. AMAC has become one of the most significant conservative organizations in the country. Joining AMAC gives you access to money saving benefits, cutting edge news, and a magazine full of insightful takes on today's most important issues. But most importantly, AMAC is working tirelessly to preserve the freedom secured by our Constitution. With a full-time presence on Capitol Hill, AMAC is pushing back against the efforts to defund our police, weaken our borders, and replace your freedom with government controls. So stand with me and over 2 million patriots by joining right now. Go to amac.us forward slash Breitbart. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S forward slash Breitbart. The benefits are great, but the cause is greater. Join today. That's amac.us forward slash (laughs) Breitbart. It was really amazing yesterday because I referred to the Fauci Biden administration and I referred to this, I guess it was, you know, mostly tongue in cheek. And then yesterday, uh, Joe Biden actually referred to Fauci as the president to play one H. Mr. Paul, I cannot believe this happened.
1: The incredible work you've done during the pandemic and uh, developing vaccines, uh, saving lives, giving us hope also, also continuing to give me advice on uh, developments as they occur. I've seen more (laughs) of Dr. Fauci that I have my wife. We kid each other, but uh, they look who's president Fauci. Um, But all kidding aside, I I sincerely mean it. Today, I'm back to announce our action plan to battle COVID-19 this winter.
0: Yeah, so this is appalling. Uh, Dr. Fauci is not the president. Dr. Fauci is a monster who. Doesn't look like a monster, but he is. Everything he's done about the virus has been, has been wrong. Uh, and those of you who are longtime listeners to the show uh, know that I've never been a supporter. of Fauci, I've never been a fan of his, and there's no reason for me to never have been a fan of his because Fauci is actually someone uh, who I was somewhat familiar with because he is pretty legendary as a academic in the healthcare field and public health people. Um, uh, in terms of public health people, he's one of the most prominent. Um, His name is on, you know, a textbook that has been sitting in my bedroom because of Mrs. Dr. Marlowe for many years and very well known. And I always this guy always rubbed me the wrong way. And he's in a very terrible job um, in terms of the virus. He's got a massive authoritarian streak. He's massively undermined America's faith in the public health uh, sector of the country, and he has only appealed to left-wing Democrats at this point. In the fact that Joe Biden jokes that he is the president, he's not the president. He is a public health bureaucrat that has gotten key things wrong, from masks to the gain-of-function research, and he did not develop the vaccines. He did not. He deserves no credit for vaccines. In fact, according to Rand Paul, and we had an epic interview with Rand Paul on Wednesday's broadcast, if you did not catch that one, I think that you're really missing out. I recommend you get it either on the SXM app or on the new podcast. So the Bright, Bright News Daily podcast, you can get it wherever you get podcasts. You don't need a serious XM subscription to get it. Um, in the interview with Rand Paul, an actual medical doctor said what I've been saying, which is that vaccine hesitancy is due to Fauci's lack of credibility. So the list of uh, errors Fauci's made is a very numerous. And that Biden is joking; that he's actually the president. An unelected public health bureaucrat is uh, uh, is appalling. Biden just simply has gotten nothing right, and I'm I'm a little angry at him this morning. Mister Unity guy, it's all a time to heal. That's what it is right now. So he was going to vanquish the virus, failed on that. He was going to unify the country, fail on that, and he was going to uh, uh, he was going to jumpstart the economy. All these have failed. UPS laid off hundreds of workers just in Biden's hometown of Scranton. So Merry Christmas to everyone in Scranton. Um, not to mention workers in Atlanta, Chicago, Louisville. All these places saw a massive layoff just from UPS alone. So he's pretty snakebit as a president. Simone Sanders, who is one of Kamala Harris's senior advisors has left the white house this is another sign of the rats fleeing the ship not to say that sanders is a rat and uh, on the contrary she's someone who was a very uh, effective operator on the campaign and was someone who was seen as potentially the press secretary and said they gave it to jen Saki who's kind of a joke and um she's out people don't want anything to do with this administration and why would they It's the Fauci-Biden administration. Pretty unbelievable. I know there's a couple of you who are chuckling at that because I joked yesterday on the show. First time I ever made the joke that it's really President Fauci or Emperor Fauci and, you know, uh, co-President Biden. I mean, literally, the guy was obsessed with race. He said he ran because of the Charlottesville hoax, the greatest act of racism in modern times where one white guy killed one white woman. Um, African presidents are furious with him because he has travel bans from Africa, which are totally nonsensical, because there are very few direct flights from the countries that have travel bans to the United States. And with the spread of the Omicron variant, there is uh, nothing to suggest that travel bans will be effective in the slightest. Starting here in the United States. It's in Canada. We're not going to ban travel from Canada. And it really does look like racism. There, there's just no logic to it. Because it's already in a lot of places with a bunch of white people, and those countries can still send people to America. So it's only the African countries, many of which do not have direct flights, do have relatively few direct flights, that there's a ban is purely a virtue signal. And African countries are not happy with Biden. This would be round-the-clock news that Biden has admitted to his open racism. Yet we don't have that because Biden is... Uh, he is he is immune to that sort of coverage in our press. Thus, I wrote the book Breaking the News. Great Christmas gift. You'll enjoy it. It's funny. It's funny. There's a lot of jokes in it. It's also informative. One thing I will plug at Breitbart.com is we do have a write-up of a story I introduced yesterday of the New York Times covering up proof that Xi Jinping personally ordered Uyghur genocide from uh, the New York Times is appalling. It's a very bad paper with lots of bad people there who... Mark my words on this. Uh, This will be something we will look back on. Unless China, you know, actually takes over our country. A possibility, though, I think somewhat unlikely at this point. But in the next 50 years, we'll look back on the way that we whitewashed Chinese genocide and human rights abuses as one of those things that we will look back on, like Jim Crow and slavery, and we'll look back on and think, oh, my gosh, I can't believe we did that. I can't believe that was the mainstream viewpoint in the United States. It was acceptable to treat China like they were some sort of a normal country and not a country filled with heinous monsters. I'm not talking about all the Chinese people. There are many wonderful Chinese people. Um, The issue is the leadership of the Chinese Communist Party, the Politburo, which controls almost every decision that is made that is of significance. And the New York Times takes money from them, as does ABC and NBC and Disney, etc., and so many of our major corporations. And so many others want that money as well. Nike. Apple, and the Democrats as well are just seen as this is part of what it means to be a Democrat in America at this time. Chuck Schumer called Marco Rubio's amendment to ban Uyghur slave labor uh, made imports. So so imports that were made by Uyghurs, which Rubio wants to ban, he called it a poison pill. So uh, does this mean Democrats are pro-slavery? Remember, they're the party slavery in the United States, but Schumer saying... That's a poison pill to try to ban slave labor made imports. Another one where a responsible media would frame this exactly like that. He's out now. He is out. He likes slavery. Um, the COVID 1984, you get it? Like Orwell, COVID 1984 continues with Joe Biden extending mass requirements for air travel through the winter. This has been a theme on the show this week with several of our guests, including Rand Paul, the actual medical doctor. The masks haven't worked. Ventilation works. Maybe an N95 would work, but no one's being asked to wear those because that would create additional health problems. But Biden wants you all to mask up, backs up as well, but especially the masking up throughout the winter. As a reminder that we should all be bummed out by the virus and we should give our, our freedoms back over to President Fauci. His words, not mine. So, uh, is uh, going to continue more of the anti-science masks. Um, The government funding bill that is out there includes $7 billion for an endless flood of Afghans to the United States. So, this is one of the things. It's not just that we have an open border, which we do, but it's also that we are going to include limitless refugees from Afghanistan. But it's not just Afghanistan. It's lots of other places as well, and we're going to pay for it. It's not even like it's neutral. It is flat-out expensive. And that's why a lot of Republicans are not going to support the funding of the government if this stuff is in there and good for them. But still, what are they ultimately going to do about it? There always is a cave that goes on. And this is why this is someone joyable for Democrats every time the uh, debt ceiling comes up because they don't care about debt. They don't at all. Republicans are at least mixed on it. So then they have a choice of getting blamed for being obstructionist and holding up the government and causing people to, you know, live in a chaotic atmosphere, both in Washington and beyond. But then if they fund the government, then they might be funding billions of dollars to import more uh, people who are quote unquote refugees from from whichever part of the world the uh, Democrats think they can get away with at this time. We're heading in towards the Christmas season, which I'm excited about. Having young kids, Christmas is super fun. I think I'm going to do my tree this weekend, which is something I'm looking forward to. But there is going to be a lot of limitations this Christmas because the Biden inflation is here, and the Biden inflation has stolen Christmas. And um, we made a image at Breitbart of Joe Biden in Grinch color stealing a present with a kid crying in the background. I, I, I'm guessing this was Rebecca Mansour who cut this for us, but it's pretty funny. Um, but inflation is causing hardship in about half the homes in the United States, and I think that's just those who have admitted it. I mentioned this briefly in yesterday's broadcast, but we have the full write-up by John Carney at Breitbart News um, that I recommend all of you check out because this is the truth. It's just dawning on people that the uh, supply chain issues are what they are and inflation is what it is. Uh, He's truly failed on the economy. And some of the things that I wanted to purchase over the summer are still not available, and there's no sense that they'll be available anytime soon. And a lot of things that people want for Christmas are sitting on container ships outside of Los Angeles. And what does Joe Biden blame? He blames Omicron. This stuff has been going on for six months, and we've been reporting on it at Breitbart for six months. John Carney and me, if you listen to the show have been noting over and over again their massive supply chain problems and inflation is not transitory, it's here to stay. So this has been, we're we're six months into this, and the Biden administration is saying Omicron is the problem. If they're willing to lie about that, if they're willing to, you know, invoke Santa Claus, all, all of this suggests that they are willing to lie to you about just about everything. And they're all so bad about it. Even Bernie Sanders was silent, corporations looking to explicitly grow profit margins via limitless immigration. These guys are so irresponsible. Bernie Sanders used to be very tough on immigration because he knew it hurt the American worker and used to ostensibly before the American worker. Now he's cool with it. Someone got to him. No one stays in Washington for as long as Bernie Sanders has, which is uh, 700 years. Do I have that right? Pretty sure. Uh, check me on that. I think it's 700 No one stays there that long and not have someone get to them. So I'm I'm sure he gets a lot of free Ben and Jerry's, but that's not enough. Someone got to him and now he likes open borders. One of the greatest tells of the Fauci Biden policy is that uh, they disregard people coming over the border with coronavirus. uh, If they're crossing illegally, but they now want travel bans from certain nations who come legally via an airplane. So we actually know via something called a manifest who these people are and where they came from. That's not okay. But if you come up illegally through our southern border, that is okay, and we don't even need to test you for coronavirus. Truly absurd. And this is the theme of all the globalists. The World Health Organization said that jabs and not border restrictions are the key to battling Omicron. So the more vaccines we get, then that is how you beat this new variant. It's not about having border restrictions. And as you might recall, as we've discussed in the show many, many times, one of the primary purposes of borders originally, when the whole idea of having nations and having a border to your nation was uh, conceptualized, was so that you could prevent people with viruses and diseases from coming over into your country and creating a level of chaos because you don't know what's going on. And any sort of dissent is just not welcome in the public square at this point, which is increasingly frightening. We've been mentioning Parag Agrawal, the new Twitter CEO, and uh, how I predicted he would be more censorious than at Jack Dorsey, the prior CEO, who was very bad and allowed for discriminatory um Uh, practices on behalf of left-wing democrats he shadow bans Breitbart's content constantly has for five years banned President Trump and the new guy is even worse not an American by the way or at least was not American until recently I don't know if he is or not now but Agrawal um, comes in and he banned an American Heart Association link or censored it because it um, uh, it cast some light that was somewhat negative on mRNA vaccines because of heart inflammation. What are they so afraid of? Uh, I've done the deep research on the mRNA vaccines and heart inflammation, and there is a small risk that some people are at risk to having heart conditions and heart issues due to the vaccine. It's not going to affect a lot of people, but it will affect a small amount of people. And this can be something that is in your calculation, particularly if you have a child who has already had the virus, maybe you don't want to run the risk if you're being compelled to get the jab for your child. If your child is naturally immune from already having had the virus, and they, uh, then maybe you want to consider that there is a small health risk when it comes to their heart when they're getting it. Well, the American Heart Association pointed this out and Twitter just censored it flat out. And they put an absurd warning that the link may be unsafe. Literally, that's their words. This link may be unsafe. They're tyrants over there. Um, They just took away the blue check mark of a Jeopardy champion named Matt Amodio. um, Because he participated, or it was after he participated in an event at St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. And he is a Jeopardy champion. And I don't know why they pulled his blue check mark where they pulled the blue check mark which means that his the prominence of his tweets will go down the blue checks get promoted because Twitter loves that they're a prestige platform for celebrities i'm um, speaking of celebrities i'm increasingly interested in what's going on with Alec Baldwin who's now claiming that he did not pull the trigger the gun just went off sporadically directly in the direction of some of the people who are working on his movie rust and he has gone to bat for himself in an interview with George Stephanopoulos uh, very sniffily very upset and suggested that he would not even pull the trigger at all Um, A.W.R. Hawkins who is our top reporter on second amendment and gun rights issues by the way he just won another award for gun rights or second amendment journalist of the year which he wins these things constantly because he is the best at it I can't say there's even a close second in terms of reporting on Second Amendment and gun rights issues. So this is all the stuff you get at Breitbart.com if you go day in and day out. Um, but Dr. Hawkins breaks down why it's implausible that Alec Baldwin didn't pull the trigger. That this particular type of revolver, a single action revolver, went off without a trigger pull. Um, he says that is a pretty, pretty ridiculous. But you guys were going nuts on this at Breitbart.com, which I like. I like that you guys were fired up about this one. Speaking of Hollywood celebrities, Hollywood celebrities are, have been gushing over Stacey Abrams running for a Georgia governor, saying that it was meant to be. Remember, she has not yet conceded the last round, 2018, where she lost. And then she says, I did not challenge the 2018 election by refusing to concede but I challenge an unfair system. Wow. So she was challenging the whole system, not the election itself, even though she never conceded. So it's just amazing that we watched so many people get bent out of shape about January the 6th. Uh, we watched people get bent out of shape about, you know, Mike Lindell, Mr. Pillow, because these people were concerned about the 2020 election, but we just forget that Stacey Abrams never conceded the 2018 gubernatorial election in Georgia, not to mention the Russia collusion hoax. And to watch this discussion take place, you know where it took place and where she said that quote? Rachel Maddow show. Uh, as big of a Russia hoaxer as possible. And NBC can't get enough Maddow. I mean, it's a, she's in these really dramatic contract negotiations because she doesn't want to do her show day in and day out. She doesn't want to do a five-day-a-week show. And uh, NBC is going to pay her an absolute fortune to stay on the air. And her credibility is is ridiculous. It's the... If you go... If you read Breaking the News my section on MSNBC, which I had to truncate because my editors told me I'd beaten a dead horse on this. Um, if you go end-to-end and look at the absurd conspiracies that Maddow put forward during the Russia collusion hoax for years, she doesn't just look like she's a liar. She looks like she's a kook. She looks like someone needs to get the white coat and you know take her in for some serious therapy, unless she's just doing pure pro wrestling. It's all just TV, which maybe it is. But her and Stacey Abrams talking about election integrity is beyond ridiculous. Um, producer Paul has recommended that I play Abrams' online ad where she announces her run. And Paul's rarely wrong. So let's do it, Paul. Roll it.
2: I've worked a lot of jobs in my life. How are you? I'm good. Thank you coming. Absolutely. And for the past four years, Thank you for our daily bread. When the hardest times hit us all... I've worked to do my part to help families make it through. You go.
1: You
2: go. Paying off medical debt for 68,000 Georgians. Expanding access to vaccines. Bringing supplies to overwhelmed food banks. Lending a hand across our state, especially in rural Georgia. We help finance small businesses trying to stay afloat. And I spoke up for families being left behind. While my jobs have changed, what I know to be true has not. My job has been to put my head down and keep working toward one Georgia. For that farmer in Peach County, the teacher in Sparta, the mechanic in college. Park. Here,
0: pause. I, 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 so I got to just, I mean, the, the, the music is just unbelievable. Are you guys just, it's really good, but it's just, why is this in an ad? I mean, it's just so over the top. It's the platitudes, that's her platitude after plat. Has she said anything? Has she said anything? She likes one Georgia. Um, she's really fed up with the pandemic. She doesn't want families left behind. She's incredibly compassionate. She loves vaccines. She loves saying grace at dinner. I mean is there anything here that isn't some sort of generic platitude? Have you guys heard one original idea? Is there one original idea, Stacy? Do you have an original idea? She seems like a smart lady. She's very educated. Writes books. Uh, Or is that just the whole thing now? You don't give an original idea. You just give only platitudes only if you're running for office. Go on.
2: Who should have more than we can imagine. Because opportunity and success in Georgia shouldn't be determined by your zip code, background, or access to power. But if our Georgia is going to move to its next and greatest chapter... We're going to need leadership
0: I think you'd make a really good governor All you gotta do is say Oh kids like her Kids love her Thank you <laughs>
2: Leadership that knows how to do the job Leadership that doesn't take credit Without also taking responsibility That's the job of governor To fight for one Georgia Our Amazing. Georgia And now
0: How do we get so lucky get the
2: job done
0: Whew. She's good She didn't talk about her most important job, which is as community organizer, where she has been able to effectively mobilize a bunch of people who would otherwise not want to vote. Very uh, low interest, low information voters to turn out for Democrats, which has been the most important thing she's done. And that's the only thing that really matters on her resume. And it's quite impressive, to be honest with you. She's gotten a lot of people to turn in ballots who otherwise would not have turned in ballots. I'm sure I'm not the only one who's noticed everything is getting expensive. We're in the biggest economic crisis since 2008 with a government that's printing trillions and trillions of dollars. Consumer prices are the highest we've seen in 30 years. Inflation is certainly here to stay, and if the government continues its out-of-control printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world's reserve currency. So... How do you protect your money, your retirement, your savings? Well, American Hartford Gold can show you how to hedge your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. They'll even help you move your existing IRA or 401k out of the volatile stock market and into a precious metals IRA. And they make it easy. They're the highest rated firm in the country with an a rating from the Better Business Bureau. They have thousands of satisfied clients. And if you call them right now, this is the best part, they'll give you up to $1,500 of free silver on your first qualifying order. So don't wait. Call them now. Call 866-670-7660. That's 866-670-7660 or text Alex to 65532. Again, that's 866-670-7660 or text Alex to 65532. first guest today is Jedediah Bila, who is a veteran broadcaster. You probably have seen her on Fox News or The View, where she was a co-host for a while. And she's got a new book out that we get into where she writes letters, essays, memos to her young son. I have a young son a little older than hers and another young son a little younger than hers. So uh, interesting to me. And she's got good uh, observations and insight, I think, into the culture and a good segment for you right here. Enjoyable conversation. Let's roll it. Jedediah, great to have you back on the show. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what's happening with you and your uh, advocacy, I guess, against vaccine mandates, which is, I think, pretty persuasive, partially because people want to push it on you. Even though you've already had the virus. And this, to me, is the ultimate tell that the mandates are about fascism and, and totalitarianism and not about science, is that there is, no, uh, there, there is no consideration for people who already have natural antibodies, which are probably much stronger than any vaccine. Uh, This is the thing that is, I think, really dividing the country more than anything, this single issue.
3: Yeah, that's exactly right, Alex, and thank you for having me on. Yeah, what I've been advocating for, which seems controversial to those who are allergic to freedom, is that people should be able to make their own decisions on this issue. This is a new vaccine. You have people in very different predicaments. Uh, in very different risk brackets we know that this is a virus that affects someone who's you know 20 years old with no comorbidities very differently than it affects someone who's 85 years old with multiple comorbidities so why exactly. are people unable to suddenly make their own do their own risk assessment there are also a, a lot of people around the country who already had the virus i myself had it about 20 months ago and they have immunity that that's verifiable my, my immunity is robust you know my own physicians that i consulted with said because of your medical history, this vaccine is not for you. It can only do harm. Um, and so we're going to, you know, offer you these exemption letters, which in places like New York City and in many much of corporate America are not being acknowledged. So you have, you know, they're, they're claiming that these are decisions, these mandates are being made for health reasons. And in the same breath, they're denying science, denying natural immunity. The, the, the one silver lining that people got who, who got the virus were that they have this immunity. They're denying that. And they're denying medical exemptions from people, from their own physicians who are saying this vaccine, you know, is just not for you. And, you know, my doctors are vaccinated themselves. This isn't an anti vax sure. movement. I know that people
0: love to distort
3: that. This is about people making individual health decisions for themselves. And if that is problematic in America in 2021, then we're in a lot of trouble.
0: Yeah, but that is why we're in a lot of trouble, because this is the most simple thing. And I know that you have an academic background. And it's something that critical thinking is just gone. It is now we only encourage conformity, which is a big theme in your book. And I think it's very wise to recommend young people. Uh, and this is one thing that, you know, I encourage in, in my kids is that to try to be individuals when I see them being unique and being uh, different and standing out from, you know, the other the other kids at the playground. I, I love it. And this is one of these things where we're now a society where if you don't conform, uh, you can't hold down jobs in corporate America. And that, to me, is something that it has we have to push back right now on that.
3: Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, it's funny. When I wrote the book, it was at the start of the pandemic, really, and the mandates weren't in effect yet. But I saw what was happening. I saw the slippery slope of where it could lead because of the tactics of fear. I myself was very afraid of this in the beginning. We had very little information about it. You couldn't get into a doctor's office you know, wear a mask, don't wear a mask, doctors that I trusted were saying, we just don't know yet, we didn't have data. That is not where we are today. So when you know better, you do better. You know now we have a lot of data. We have natural immunity that's been chartered. We have, you know, doctors. We have treatments available for people. So it's almost like you know people are stuck in that fear cycle. And I was writing this to my kid, and I wanted him to be above all else a free thinker, to be able to you know make decisions about his own health and well-being, to be able to make decisions about the kind of life that he wants for himself. And to put out there, you know, it started as a message to him, and now it's a message for everyone. If you're not the architect of your own life, then who is? Who are you willing to cede that authority to? Is it Bill de Blasio and Gavin Newsom? Is it right. corporate America? Some person who has, they know nothing about these people's medical histories. They know nothing about what you've been through in your life, and yet they're willing to say, get this new medication, essentially, or be fired. That's incredibly dangerous and incredibly uncomfortable. And if they get away with it, what comes next? If they can control your health and a decision that you make that's pivotal to your own well-being and potentially get you to go against your doctor because you have to make decisions about, do I keep my job? How do I put food on the table in a panic? Then what else can these people control? It's very, very scary. And I wanted my kid to have a backbone to say no and to resist these types of things.
0: Uh, I love this. Uh, and I'm going to play a clip for you that I know you'll get a kick out of Paul play one H. This is President Brandon himself. Go ahead.
1: For The incredible work you've done during the pandemic and uh, developing vaccines, uh, saving lives, giving us hope. Also, also continuing to give me advice on uh, developments as they occur. I've seen more <laughs> <laughs> A doctor Fauci that I had my wife. We kid each other, but uh, they look who's president Fauci. Um, but all kidding aside, I, I sincerely mean it. Today I'm back to announce our action plan to battle COVID-19 this winter. The only thing
0: that doesn't make that joke perfect, Jedediah, is that we all think Fauci's actually emperor, not just president. I mean, who is this guy? He's, right. not, he, he, he's not elected, and he is controlling so much of our lives. And by the way, he doesn't give us hope. He's the doomiest and gloomiest guy around.
3: That's right. And, and that's actually quite sad, that clip, and quite disturbing, because it's true. I mean, Joe Biden is lost in space. Everyone knows it at this point. He's, I, I don't even know what he does when he's off camera, if that's how terrible things sound when he's actually on camera <laughs> and
2: speaking to the people.
3: But, I mean, it's, it's scary in, in, a, in many ways. But, you know, Fauci, who, who thinks he's the science, has no answers to a lot of questions. I mean, I remember months ago watching a clip of him on, I believe it was on CNN at the time, and they asked him about natural immunity and whether people who had had COVID-19 should get the vaccine. Well, I don't, you know, we really, I I mean, he has no idea. And yet he's really comfortable coming out with these blanket measures. You know, oh, everyone should get vaccinated. Everyone should get boosted. and, And, you know, the only thing I will say, Alex, is that people are waking up. There are many people, everyone has a line in the sand when it comes to this stuff. Some people said, you know what, I'm going to get the vaccine. They made that decision, but they're saying, I'm not getting boosted every year. I'm not doing it. Other people are saying, I'll get the vaccine and get boosted, but I'm not doing this to my kids because maybe their kids had COVID for five minutes, had the sniffles, and were fine. So people are starting to say, you know, pushing back and saying, well, where does this end? You, You told us to get vaccinated. Now you're saying we have to mask up, which is which they're saying is, is, is because vaccinated people can also get sick and pass the virus, which we know to be true. So people are starting to really ask questions about these things. Uh, and I'm just curious what's going to happen to all of these people who lost their jobs. If you know, these mandates are not being upheld right now, if this ever made it to the Supreme court, I mean, there can be serious legal challenges here. People who whose doctor said don't get this and went to their bosses and said, listen, this is my medical history. You know, I've submitted X, sure. Y, and Z and we're told, no, you're you're out the door. That can be very problematic, um, depending upon how things go here.
0: Yeah, I hope so. But I don't know for sure. I want to talk about more about dear Hartley. How old is Hartley now?
3: Hartley is two years old. So he's a little guy. <laughs> he's a little guy.
0: So 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 I have a three year old and a one year old. So so we're we're kind of a, probably in the same Sort of phase of life here. And it's really interesting for me because uh, I won't put the three year old in a mask. They're, they're, they're anti science and I'm a, has hardly had to wear a mask. And this is a dead serious question.
3: No, I have not put him in a mask. And actually, I we are looking to relocate from New York City to either Nashville, Florida, or Texas. And I have to yeah. do a little bit of travel and it would have been great to bring the whole family. I will not subject my child to child abuse with a mask on yeah. at two years old on an Good. airplane. So I have to go myself. I'm just I absolutely refuse.
0: Yeah, this is. It's funny because we we have attempted to do the mass in the airplane, and it's it's so absurd. This is the only time what we've done it with the with the three year old. Because I won't do any. Mass and in, 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 uh, in any business or restaurant or schools or anything like that. But it's a, we have tried the, on uh, the, uh, airplay. It is, it is hilarious because he won't put it on for two seconds. He thinks it's a game and, um, it's obviously not doing anything to stop any sort of a pandemic. I mean, the idea right. that that would stop it. We uh, must be such idiots that we think that that will have. It, even a modicum of effect on the virus. And we really don't. It's all about control, uh, as we know. Uh, but uh, talk to me about what this represents, though, because this is exactly the theme that we're talking about, which is that we are trying to crush, even in the youngest children among us, any sort of free spirit, any sort of individualism, and just telling them to conform to government diktats. It is something that in any other era, we would have thought that this is not the United States. And yet it is. This is where we are.
3: Yeah, and it's, and it's actually going to be a very big problem for that generation. And that is one of the reasons I wrote the book, because it's not just going to come from government and these mandates where they're made to feel like they're one of many. And they're just, you know, it, it really reads that when you look out and you see a bunch of masked people and they're all just following and holding up a little QR code to get into a restaurant. It, it's terrifying. But couple that with academia and what goes on in academia, where free thinking is also being consistently oppressed and repressed. So you're going to have kids that are very used to just following along and what somebody else says goes and not pushing back and not standing up for what they believe in and not asking questions. The way that you learn, we were always told, you know, ask a lot of questions when you're a kid, always ask questions. Now you're being told, don't ask questions, even on things that involve, you know, mandates that affect you and your own family. So this, you know, many of us have that have that desire to push back because we grew up differently. We didn't grow up in a world like this, but what about these kids that are growing up and that's all they're seeing, they're seeing it at school, they're seeing it when they had to get on an airplane, they're seeing it now, you know, Bill de Blasio is talking about, oh, maybe six year olds will have to show a little card to get into a restaurant. It's very scary. So it's going to come down to parents. It's going to come down to choosing to live in communities where this stuff doesn't thrive and where kids are taught to think for themselves. And that was one of the main reasons I wrote this. I wanted it to be a book that could anchor people throughout their lives and they could talk with their kids about and give to their children and say, check this out and kids will learn, you know wow, it's a good thing for me to ask questions. It's a good thing for me to stand up for what I believe in. It's a good thing for me to be able to walk into a room full of people who disagree with me and speak my mind. Because right. if we're not doing this to counterbalance, look at social media too. I mean, kids are going to learn. I can be on social media, but only if I tell this line of thinking. If I say anything different, I'm banned. Yeah. What kind of message is that them? They're getting it from every single angle, and we're going to breed a, a, a nation of, of babies with no backbone, who live in fear all the time and that's very very scary
0: um there's a lot of good lessons in the book dear heartley thoughts on character kindness and building a brighter world Uh, let's talk about the portion of masculinity and chivalry um this is something that's totally lost right now Uh, it is uh, what do you think are the key messages that you as a mother want to convey to a young boy
3: You know, I wanted, I get into chivalry and I talk to him about what that looks like in our house. And it's so overanalyzed by people. Every time, you know, a guy opens a door for anyone, it's like, oh, well, you know, he assumes that person can't open the door for, for themselves. No, some of these things are just acts of kindness. I want my kid to be a kind, thoughtful person. I also want my kid to grow up to be a good man. And I'm not afraid to talk about what that looks like and that good men, you know, are are like, I reference my husband a lot. He's an equal participant in this household. You know, he, he cooks and cleans and works and we all do for each other. He's strong. He's a symbol of strength for my child. He, you know, teaches him about handiwork and about what it means to actually build things with your hands and create things. He teaches, talks to him a lot about, now granted Hartley's only two, but he talks to him a lot about these things, these values. So I think we get afraid to talk about what it means to be a good man. We, t- we get afraid to talk about what it means to be a kind human, a kind person, a kind woman, a kind man. I'm not afraid of any of these words. And I want my son to grow up, you know, with guidance that enables him to one day start a family and, and want to do well for that family and want to raise his own children that do kind things. You know, these these things have become controversial because feminism or because, you know, someone sitting in an ivory tower decided that they were controversial. It shouldn't be controversial to open doors for people. And I tell my son repeatedly, if you offer to do things for someone, like open a door, like carry some groceries, and that person responds by giving you a lecture on feminism, just know that that person perhaps needed kindness more than anyone else. Smile, walk away, and continue to offer that same kindness to someone else. Because if we're creating a world now where that doesn't exist, then that's that's another big problem that we're getting into. I'm tired of everything being hyperanalyzed and overanalyzed uh, in order to beat people down into submission. And that's another way that it's being done when it comes to to gender roles. And it, it's just sure. what's going on. I want to be grounded in some normalcy, frankly.
0: Uh, Jedediah Bila is with me. In the book is Dear Hartley. Uh, one other lesson that is interesting that I've talked about with um, I'm constantly checking with my wife on our three year old on this. Um, is empathy is he being empathetic and this is something where I do really feel like you can be you can. it's almost the most underrated uh, characteristic if you can be empathetic I really think you can bounce back from a lot you can uh, make adjustments in your life I think on a pretty when you can see from other people's perspective and be warm to them I I just think empathy is just so underrated I'm glad you brought it up Uh, talk to me about some of your thoughts on it
3: yeah absolutely It's very important. Um, And I've been saying this since my first book, trying to say to people, um, don't be afraid to walk in someone else's shoes, especially if you're having a debate, if you're having a discussion. Take a minute. See where they're coming from. It'll only enable you to reach them better to make a stronger argument. And I think the problem now is that empathy is very selective. You know, even with the COVID pandemic, you know, people talk about empathy and having empathy for those who lost, lost loved ones. Of course, this was a terrible disease. Many people died. It's incredibly important to acknowledge that. But what about empathy for all the nurses and doctors that were in hospitals and in the trenches taking care of sick people who then got sick themselves, recovered, and are now being fired? So it's really easy to be empathetic to a cause that you can say, oh, well, I experienced that myself, so I'm empathetic. Try being empathetic to something that you haven't experienced or something that someone else is going through that you can't really you you can't relate to. But try, try, because it'll enable you to have a much better understanding of each other. And if you're going to have some sense of shared humanity in the world, which is essentially the only way you get through anything, particularly times like a pandemic or a 9-11 or anything like that, that really shakes a country to its core, and a world uh, in many cases, you have to be able to remember that we're all still people, and that requires some empathy. So I want my child to be someone that people feel comfortable to, to, to say, hey, have you thought about this? I want him to be someone with open ears. So yeah, stand up for yourself, but also listen to what someone else has been through and be able to have that conversation that maybe lands two people in a better place than, you know, at the end than where they began.
0: You know, one other thing that I think is a, a underrated virtue that you preach in the book is about exercise, literal exercise. A- another one of these things that is just not been discussed during this pandemic, that people who are unhealthy are doing far worse with coronavirus than people who live a healthy lifestyle. And I- I'm not saying I'm, I'm perfect or I'm in a glass house on this one or not, or the, it's, it's, but it is one of these things where it, it is the key to... Mood. It's the key to looking good and feeling good. And uh, it keeps everything in order if you're exercising on a regular basis. And it's just not discussed because what we're afraid to hurt feelings of, you know, uh, the rapper Lizzo. Like, what is this? Like, why do we have we not talk? Why can't we talk about exercise?
3: Yeah. And that, and I talk about it a lot because exercise really changed my life. And it's been wonderful for my physical health, for my mental health. And that is a problem throughout this pandemic. We're not talking about actual health. You have to be afraid to talk about comorbidities. Why? Why? I mean, that's absolute insanity. If we want to help people, we need to be talking about supplements. You need to be talking about the food, not eating garbage food. You need to be talking about exercise. The reason that I devoted a good section to that in my book is because i had lyme disease in the past and it hit me like a ton of bricks honestly at the time i wasn't sleeping well i was working crazy hours i wasn't eating the best i was always in a rush um i was very stressed out and it hit my body in a way it it hit that body in a way that wasn't great and it took me a little bit of time to kind of talk about that journey and, and what it looked like for me to come out of it But really what it taught me was the importance of all of these health measures, because you don't know what you're going to encounter in life, a bacteria, a virus, who knows what it could be. But you do have some control. And once again, here's the theme of self-empowerment. You do have some control over the body that encounters those things. So I wanted to empower people to say, don't feel, including my child, don't feel powerless. Don't feel like, oh my gosh, I'm at the mercy of this virus, or I'm at the mercy of, you know, this, this whatever has come my way feel that you have some control to do something about it. And I think that any I've said this repeatedly on Twitter, any health expert, I use that in quotes, who's talking about a pandemic, but not talking about actual health measures, I completely dismiss that they're absolute garbage, because this doesn't begin and end with a vaccination. You need to also be taking care of your body in many ways. And if you're afraid to offend people, because you know, someone might feel like they're overweight, or that's just, you're not helping anyone. You're really not helping anyone by not giving them proper information to to better their chances and arm their bodies.
0: Jedediah Bela at Jedediah Bela on Twitter, but you should pick up the book, Dear Hartley Thoughts on Character, Kindness and Building a Brighter World. A lot of wise words in it. Thanks Jedediah for joining me.
3: Thank you so much, Alex.
0: Two guests today on the show, second guest is Congressman Devin Nunes, who is one of the few people in Washington who I think really fully gets it. I think he understands the issues, uh, the problems with our culture and our media and is really trying to do his best to fight back against it. One of the true leading lights fighting against the deep state and trying to dismantle it, uh, which is he gets infinite credit for that. But he also does it sometimes with a light touch. And has a good time while he's doing it. And that's the exact type of happy warrior mentality that uh, speaks to us at Breitbart, that Andrew Breitbart championed himself personally. And we get into a wide variety of topics, and you can hear it right now. I texted the congressman last night and said, is there anything in particular he wants to touch on? Uh, and he said soccer and wine, and I know it was joking, but I still it just was a friendly reminder to myself that I have a very funny life and uh, a, a hilarious one. That a very powerful congressman making jokes about how we start about soccer and wine. Uh, did you have anything on the top of your brain, really, Congressman, that in terms of soccer and wine news that is we need to hear about? How is the wine business doing now with the supply chains? Probably not good.
4: Well, Alex, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me on. And you know, you caught me. I was watching the highlights when you texted me last night of. So you know, my, I'm Portuguese by heritage, and uh, one of the best soccer players is Cristiano Ronaldo. And last night he sure. scored his 800th and 801st and goal. So when I got that, I thought you wanted to talk about Cristiano Ronaldo. I wasn't sure. And then <laughs> uh, I, I think you know that I'm a, a I'm an amateur winemaker, and so over Thanksgiving I was messing around with the uh, harvest from this year, just having some fun and uh, tasting some wine that uh, that I had just uh, put into a barrel. So. So just keeping it light, man, but there's a lot of bad stuff going on in California and, of course, in Washington, D.C. So there's plenty of bad news and, to talk about.
0: I was up in your neck of the woods um, a couple of weeks ago interviewing Victor Davis Hanson, which for the audience, we're about to start releasing some of those A really long interview, like three hours or so. The longest interview I think I've ever done. And it is interesting to see California uh, then how so much of the middle of the state is actually sort of salt of the earth people. And the policies of the Democrat ruling class are really affecting the state in a major way negatively, Uh, not just the high tax rate and high regulations and, you know, obsession over solar panels and not the border. But I I think a lot of the chickens have come home there over the last several decades of not taking education seriously, not taking the border seriously. Um, uh, Let's speak from your perspective as a Californian first, and then we'll move towards uh, Washington. But uh, what's going on out there?
4: Well, first of all, to get to spend any time with VDH, Professor Hansen, he's an amazing guy. He's a farmer uh, and my neighbor. So you you drove right by right by my house. Uh, so it's the great San Joaquin Valley. But for now going on 40 years now, uh, there's been a, an attack by the radical left on every industry in California. So it started with agriculture, and I'm sure you talked to Victor a lot about that, but it started first by – the radical left, the environmental greens, going after our water supply, and essentially what they've done is they've run us out of out of water. Uh, then you had on top of that all the other environmental regulations, uh, making it almost impossible to have any manufacturing in California. That's why most of the manufacturing uh, has left. You don't see a lot of new startups unless there's a unless it's something that is going to be produced and used right there in California. You don't see a lot of manufacturing or like maybe food manufacturing, which you, you would see that in, in my area, but you don't see the types so of, you don't see Samsung investing billions of dollars like they are doing in Texas right now to build computer chips, even though we've been the place of venture capital, of technology, Silicon Valley, you know, for, for now decades. And, and slowly they went after nearly every, every industry, Alex, so that what we're left with is, and for the last few years, it's been the golden goose, which is Silicon Valley Mm. and and, and venture capital. Now, I believe the golden goose's head's been cut off. Um, I could be wrong about this, but you've seen just in the last few years, long-time companies like HP, uh, Oracle, Tesla, uh, one of the, the biggest companies, all have moved out of the state. Now, the question is, the left, the radical left, and Newsom, the governor, and all of them, they love to brag, we're the fifth largest economy in the world, and we're making billionaires faster than anybody. So who cares if Elon Musk uh, leaves? That's their attitude. So I think through COVID, when you look at places like San Francisco, you look at all the homelessness that are all over, you look at, at 80 thugs with, with ski masks going into Nordstrom's a couple weeks ago, I can tell you that 10 years ago, that would have been on every news channel across the country and worldwide, and they would have been saying, what in the hell is going on in San Francisco? This has got to stop. But instead, where are we at today? You don't hear anything. I bet most people, I bet people listening to your show right now, Bright Bart Radio, know that 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 happened, and it's happening more and more across the country. But I, I think most Californians just don't know because... There's no news out there. And then when you take on top of that, when you take on top of that, the censorship that's being done by these tech companies, by these social media companies, you have people running around not having any clue. Why is a third of the land in California not being farmed? Why are the forests burning up? Well, you're told that you're told in school and you're told by, by the mainstream media, you're told it's global warming. The world is ending and it, you know, sounds great. You have fire in the background and you think it's oh well, it must be global warming, la di da, but it's not. The fire the, the timber industry is or the timber's burning up because they ended the timber industry twenty years ago and drove every timber. So now
1: if wow. you don't
4: guess what happens? If you don't bring it out of the mountains, guess what? It burns. And and that's what we're dealing with. And now they're gonna cl- shut down the, the last nuclear power plant in California. So we have the highest sales tax in the country basically. Highest gas tax in the country, highest energy prices in the country, uh, anywhere from a ten to fifteen percent uh, individual income tax, and we tell Elon Musk and everybody else, ah, we don't care, we, uh, just just leave. It's so, really so
0: is there anyone though? Because California is a single party state in terms of state politics. Is there anyone who's pointing this stuff out? That because it seems like, from my vantage point. The only discussion there is whether or not there's enough solar panels. I mean, there's no real discussion of, you know, the traffic or the homelessness or the gutting of the middle of the state and the, in in terms of the, the farm industry. I, it just seems like it doesn't really come up. It's just all climate change talk
4: 24-7. Exactly. And I've spent my whole career beating, running into a wall every single day trying to get people to focus on, hey, California is not out of water because of, of global warming. Hey, these fires aren't happening because of global warming hey, your electricity price isn't going up because of, because of global warming and not enough solar panels. Like, these are bad policies. But you know, just like we, we as a delegation that the Republicans, uh, there's only 11 of us out of the 53 members of Congress right now in California, but we finally said we were, we were having brownouts just a few months ago when they announced, hey, this, the nuclear power plant's on schedule to hold, our last nuclear power plant that's on the central coast of California. And we sent uh, we sent a letter, we introduced legislation that said, look, you can't close this down until you can guarantee that we're not going to have blackouts and brownouts that, you know, that that this energy has to be replaced by something. Now, I think somebody's now got to these these fools that are running the government out there because you're starting to see even the secretary of energy the other day for Biden, of all people, uh, came out and said, well, maybe you shouldn't do that. Now, look, I know they really want the nuclear power plant closed. But I think what they're worried about, if you close it, you're going to have California, you know, we're going to go from brownouts, we're just rolling brownouts to blackouts. I and mean, that's where this is going to head. So, so Alex, the answer is we talk about it. We talk about it every day. But if you don't have a news media and if you're getting censored by social media and everything social media puts up as climate change, global warming, climate change, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to get past that. I can get out there and, you know. Victor Davis Hanson has written brilliant books on this. I mean, he just has one. I'm sure you talked about it. The Dying Citizen is one of the best books out there, and it will do very well. It'll be a New York Times bestseller. But will the zombies that are walking around, either the homeless zombies that are walking around California uh, or the people that are just trained, oh, well, I'm a I'm a this letter or that letter, a green, a color or whatever. I'm just going to go in and vote Democrat until that until that ends, until Right now you have a lot of Republicans, conservatives, business people, leaving entrepreneurs leaving the state. They're essentially voting with their feet. So it's going to be up to the people that are left there to, to get up there and look and say, wait a second, these fires aren't because of global warming. We're not out of water because of global warming. These homeless people need to get off the streets. And in the United States of America, in California, it's unacceptable to have not just no less 80 thugs go in with masks and, and raid a store. It's unacceptable for one person for that ever to happen. So until people wake up, Alex, I, you know, it's, it's pretty bleak out there.
0: Yeah, it is bleak out there. And uh, your point about the media is resonant. And you're the most vocal, I think, of all the Republicans in Congress about how you should no longer converse, do business with, break scoops with the establishment media. You need to use uh, alternative media. And uh, you extend this to Silicon Valley as well. I know you're not on Twitter. You're on the alternative platforms like Parler and Rumble, et cetera. Um, Are you bringing anyone to your side on this? Because it's just so agonizing to me whenever I see a major Republican – Uh, break a story or you know run to the establishment media and they they, so many of them do it and I just we need to stop this because there is if we're going to create a huge conservative media ecosystem then uh, you know you can't give your best stuff to CNN or Twitter.
4: Yeah look I I, I, as you know I'm I'm 100% in agreement and am I making some progress on this front? Yes, I, b- I believe that I, I am, but it, it's slow because it's so hard. People just well, everybody uses Twitter, so I might as well just use Twitter, you know. So it's hard, but I think we're making progress. And I will say that one difference between California and Washington D.C. is that in California there are there's no independent or even conservative media in California. I mean, virtually none, you know, that, that look over the state. Uh, sure. At least in Washington D.C. You know, we do have a presence of, you know, a Newsmax, a Fox News, a Breitbart, a Federalist. You know, there's there's and 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 I always joke that it's it's 95 percent are all mainstream and and left wing. And there's five percent that are either independent to conservative. And I'll take the five percent here any day because they're real reporters. They do real research and they stick to the facts. And you know that because. None of the five percent get sued for defamation like the other companies do, right, and they don't get called out like every day for their hypocrisy. so the five percent here are really good, but the biggest problem we have right now and you and, you know you alluded to it is that you know with between facebook and 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 Twitter and what Google's doing and Wikipedia and everything else we're just getting overwhelmed by the censorship and so the most important issue at the highest level for the future of a democratic republic is going to be the, the the reopening, so to speak of the internet with the free flow of information, whether that's social media or video platforms or news, that's going to have to get opened up to the rest of America because it's going to be the only way we're going to reach those folks that are just accustomed to watching the fake news and getting onto Twitter or Facebook and, you know, getting censored and they're not even realizing they're being censored. So look, I, I think we're, we're at a, we got about half of America that I think is in that position. I think they get it to some degree for sure. 40, 45%, you know, but look, it, it should be 65%. I mean, look, we always yeah. know there's going to be 10, 15% are going to be Marxist communists in this country. Maybe, maybe even more Today, if you look at today's makeup of Congress, but but you know, look, these are failed policies; they won't work, and it's just applying common sense. And I have to think that most people in this country have common sense. It's just about making sure there's a free flow of information, and that's moving forward. I, I keep saying this; everybody's looking forward to 2022, but I still worry uh, about the censorship that occurs. You know, what happens if these if these companies just decide next year? Well. Republicans, they're all uh, insurrectionists, so let's shut off all their credit cards and banking. So, right. you know, they just can't raise any money. I mean, they, can do, they could do that, uh, all these woke corporations. So that's a real threat uh, to this country that I think uh, people – it's the most important threat, actually, that's out there, is what, is what big tech and control the, of the Internet uh, is doing to this country and, and what they could do to be even more – tyrannical than than what we've even seen.
0: Congressman Devin Nunes, Republican from California, is with me. Can you update us on the government funding battles and um, some of your colleagues who seem open minded to funding vaccine mandates, which seems insane to me? Um, it seems it may be funding limitless refugees from Afghanistan. I, I, I mean, it, it's, it's very frustrating as because it seems like that this is even entertained on the Republican side of the aisle is uh, crazy to me, but where are we at here?
4: Well, essentially we were we were headed towards a government shutdown tonight at midnight.
0: Last night, at, I don't know, I forget what time
4: it was, but late late last evening, uh, we passed a temporary, just a temporary band-aid measure. It went through the House and then the Senate. Um, I didn't vote for it, but it passed. and I think that takes us to about the middle of of February. So what remains on the schedule on the on the calendar for the rest of the year, there's basically only two bills left that Democrats need to do. One, is a, a is a defense authorization bill that has passed every year for the last 60 years. Um, it's really the only way that Congress has to has to has any supervision over what happens in the Department of Defense. Uh, and then secondly, the Democrats have to raise the debt limit. They've been on this spending orgy. Uh, Republicans have said you keep doing this, you keep driving inflation, you keep pumping cash into the economy. stop it, stop it, stop it. They don't stop it. So now we're dealing with this, you know, 30 trillion dollar debt. We're hitting the debt limit here uh, in the in the coming weeks, and the Republicans have said, "Look, you guys own this majority. You you control Congress. You're the ones that're going to raise the debt limit. We're we're done giving you a unlimited credit card uh, as you you know you're spending like you know drunken sailors. That we've we've never seen this type of spending in this country before."
0: Understood. Sure, but, but, it, but it continues. I mean, there's really, there's no stopping it. it. Just We just go through this ritual, and I'm all for the ritual. We go through this ritual every few months where we talk for five minutes about how we're spending too much, and then we just keep spending more.
4: I, I agree, um, and that's why, But but I think for the first time, there has been a general agreement over the last, you know, since I've been in Congress that, okay, you know we're not going to default on our debt ultimately we, you know we're going to come to an agreement we're going to to, to to compromise we all know there's spending challenges right that, that we're spending too much and you normally come to some agreement but but Alex my point is is that we've never seen anything like what they're what they're doing this year this is this is a whole new level of spending right I mean they didn't need to do they, they disguised earlier this year two trillion dollars in additional spending as COVID money It wasn't. It was a Biden-Harris slush fund that they're going to use over the next three years uh, to give out to their buddies. Two two trillion, two billion dollars, or look, I can't even. It's one point nine trillion dollars is what it was. See, it's so big, I can't even. I can't even get it out of my mouth, Alex. This morning, and then they're going, you know, talking about. You've seen their their socialist spending plan. That they continue. They they lied about it. They passed it out of the house. They say it's. Two trillion dollars, but everybody knows it's, it's closer to, to five or six trillion dollars because it's all sorts of new programs. It makes it makes what they did back in two thousand and nine with Obamacare uh, look like nothing. And so, th- this is just—I I know everybody gets tired of this, but you know—and and, you know—you've heard this for a long time, but but we've never seen anything like what we've seen this year in this level of spending. Granted, we did that last year with COVID when we did all the lockdowns, but that money actually was going to keep businesses afloat. It was going to get, keep people on a payroll. This is just all new government programs. And so, uh, I, you know, I just I don't look. The Republicans have said this, uh, and I believe they're going to hold to it, that that they're not going to give any more votes for this debt limit and increase until they stop this spending orgy.
0: Uh, Congressman Devin Nunes again is with me. He's got a podcast as well that I recommend, and I've been a guest. If people want to go back and uh, pull down the archives for that, uh, last one for today, and again we can go on for longer, but the last one I want to discuss is what really are the priorities right now in the Congress? Because it looks like it's mostly January the sixth. That seems like that's what is the main focus, which is which is I- insane the, to me. Uh, yeah, and, these guys and, go
4: from yeah. Uh, they went when Trump was president. It was let's do everything every day to impeach the president. Right. And now they've now they have this January 6th. So they they can't get off of this because they love building fake news narratives to attack their opposition. They're essentially they they own the propaganda machine, meaning the that we talked about earlier, the media, and then they control the delivery with the social social media. So what they have to do is they have to spin up deranged conspiracy theories in their heads and build the narrative and put it out there. So. This is what the Democrats are doing. They create a special commission uh, to to look into into January 6th, you know, which, uh, you know, as we all know, uh, was was, you know, clearly inappropriate behavior by by some. But to to demonize the thousands of Americans who were here just to protest their government and attend a rally and that sort of thing is, is wrong. Now, look, the people that 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 busted through the barricades and broke windows, I want them prosecuted. But. I still can't get, and that's what I keep asking, there's a certain number of people that went into the Capitol that day that broke the windows and assaulted police officers. Where are they at? Where's the names? Let's just, let's get those people prosecuted. But instead, what these guys are trying to do is make this into like some kind of, I mean, you hear it every day out of their mouth. Uh, It's just the same old rhetoric that, oh my God, they tried to overthrow overthrow the government, blah, blah, blah. It's just Asinine. It was people pro- te- protesting the, gover- the government, and some people went in and began rioting, which is totally inappropriate, and they need to be held accountable. But what the Democrats are doing in Congress, Alex, is nothing more than, uh, than just feeding conspiracy theories into their propaganda machine to continue to hope to get all their voters out to the polls. It just so far, it doesn't look like it's working because no matter how great your conspiracy theory is and how great your propaganda machine is, you can't get past five dollar gasoline, brownouts, bugs running into, you know, breaking windows into, uh, into stores, uh, and et cetera, et cetera, with all the inflationary issues that that people are dealing with out there in the real world, and that's that's their challenge they have moving forward.
0: So politically speaking, Joe Biden is failing in his promise to unify the country. I have a whole chapter on this in my book, Breaking the News, about how I pretty much predicted this would happen. He's really a divider, not a unifier. Um, so uh, why do some of your colleagues still want to kind of work with him on stuff? I mean, should we just write it out at this point?
4: Well, I don't, I don't know too many that are, that want to work with them (laughs) that I know there's at least
0: 13 of them.
4: Some of those members are in districts that, uh, you know, that, that really wanted infrastructure at the end of the day, they, they looked at the bill that was before them and said, this is the right thing for my district. And I think, you know, guys like me looked at it as, look, even if now it wasn't great for my district, it was bad for my district. But so I, you know, I could vote for both on the merits, but also on the bigger picture is, is this the right direction for the country? And my take on this was just like we talked about the, 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 the the fake COVID spending in the socialist bill they passed. This is an enabler, you know, this, this so-called infrastructure bill is an enabler to reward bad behavior. So uh, look, I mean, every member has to vote their district at the end of the day. They're elected by their own constituency. Uh, but look, by, by and large, I mean, Biden, it's so I mean, so bad. You know, I, I haven't talked to one member, senator or House member that's had a coherent conversation with biden you know he just kind of stumbles out there gives a speech and then stumbles back and most of us yeah, haven't uh, even been invited to the, sure to the White House.
0: He, he's so. he just this is just something that i want to keep an eye on because it's been such a failure of his and it's one that gets uh, i think less attention than some of the other ones and uh, congressman Nunes, i wish i had more time and i hope you'll come back soon uh, unfortunately i do have to run though to a break and uh, hey Alex, uh, th- th- uh, th- th-
4: thanks a lot thanks for having me
0: my pleasure, and, and next time we will get more wine talk. In, and uh, maybe you can uh, update me on some of the European soccer leagues because uh, some of my family watched that over the weekend. I, I I don't understand it, so maybe you can help me with that. But not today. Next time. Thanks, Congressman. I got to wrap. Be right back. That right was good.
4: Thank you. American
3: bar.
0: All right, that'll do it for us for today. Thanks to Paul Demilio and Greg Evan, our intrepid producers. And thanks to all of you who have told 10,000 friends and family members about the new podcast. You don't need a SiriusXM subscription to get it. This is big, so some people, if they're confused by it, explain that to them. It's really good. Wherever they get their podcast. Breitbart News Daily is available to them now. And that is so cool because it'll help us expand uh, getting the Breitbart worldview into more hearts and minds. On that note, that'll do it for us for today, and we'll see you on Monday for another edition of Breitbart News Daily.